0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: All right, folks. This is Rabble Rousing Rich Bergeron. psychic Tom,
2: crystal
0: ball ready to
1: go. All right, Tom. Should have predicted that little crash we just experienced. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, well, as, ask, I was, as I was saying. Um, We uh, got rudely interrupted by the computer crashing. Uh, I finally threw in the towel last night, and I watched Creed 2. And I I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, some of the some of the acting wasn't great. Like I thought the chemistry between uh, Michael B. Jordan and the girlfriend there was kind of kind of iffy at some scenes. it's like, I don't know, some of that could have been done better, but for the most part, I was most impressed with Rocky's character. Sylvester Stallone did great. And, and, and just uh, going back to that original, you know, Rocky IV movie, which is my favorite of all time. Um, still, I think. Um,
2: what I really liked, and at being there, um, and seeing a lot of the guys on set, was pretty cool, um, I liked how it humanized the Drago character.
1: Um, you know,
2: especially at the end. Yeah. Uh, but also, you were saying a little bit ago, um, some of things you like, especially someone like character, is he was more down on the earth than you've ever like seen him before. And I think part of it, was like, you know, it shows his conscience really weighing on him because of what happened, you know, thirty years or so prior with Apollo's death. And you just, oh, this was supposed to be me in there. Drigo the front the thing with is But Apollo stepped stepped into me as a substitute basically and he died. Because of me, if I could have thrown down but I didn't
1: thought out too. I mean like they, they, they did they they took like every angle of that situation of like, you know, a fighter being injured and trying to recover and like trying to figure out why he lost and going back and you know, right back to the drone board in a different environment, different place altogether. Yeah. You know, and a lot of you see that a lot more with M M A fighters, you know, they go to a different gym and you just clear ahead of that last place where they're lost their fight because they train there or something or they'll go with different people the next time and, and uh yeah it's it makes a difference when you and it's it shows that dynamic where you know if you have a good trainer that you click with and he, he has history with your family you know obviously it's it's going to work out in that situation if you are that kind of athlete the thing is i was most surprised at is like the size of that dude compared to Friggin' Michael B. Jordan, who got jacked at the end, obviously, but uh, he put on more more muscle for the end part of it, but, man, that dude is still jacked! <laughs> and huge! that
2: played was only a matter of 20 feet from me on the set, Yeah. the second day, and, you know, Doc Lundgren walked right by me, and it was like, wow, this is the guy that I was afraid of as a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, and this guy is like, wow, you know, you
1: know. He was a beast. Yeah, big dude. And they were saying, like, a lot of his workouts in the movie, which were no trick filming, no CGI, none of that. It was literally him doing the push-ups with the battle ropes and, you know, doing all that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about his character was he only had that one scene where he spoke and it was Russian. And that was it. Like, Yeah, really? Say a whole lot. I, I wish he would have done like more of the gimmicky, kind of good stuff that worked in the Rocky Four, where he was just like, I will break you, you know, stuff like that. You know, Limited English. And he didn't even like say anything in English. It's like, you know, you got, you're in Hollywood, buddy. Learn the language.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I think... Were there a few things that he said, um... No, because I'm thinking because one thing was I think
1: from one of the trailers, one of the behind the scenes at the weigh-in, but yeah, but um, But it's good. I mean, it's really good. uh, I say I I I I almost say it's like the the best modern Rocky movie. Like you know, this it was definitely better than the first Creed. I think for sure. For some reason, I just like this one better. You know, uh, both
2: opinions on that. So.
1: But anyway, we have a buttload of stuff to cover. Um, real boxing. got to take a break from Hollywood for a minute.
2: We'll the, luxury, by the way.
1: Yeah, I, I saw that. I got
2: a really good deal on it.
1: You know what's funny? Uh, the first time I went to Vegas for Zions, I walked all the way down to the end of the Strip, and it, it was off-season. It was like October, and there was one of them dust storms sweeping through. It was just murky and ugly. So I walked all the way down the end of the strip
2: where uh, Luxor is, and I actually started. Pyramid. <laughs> That's crazy. Because <laughs> the Egyptians supposedly
1: worshipped black cats, you know? And there's cats all over the friggin' property of, uh, of the um, Luxor. The statues of cats and you know, all de- decorated and all that shit so it's just funny <laughs> and I didn't even really go into the Luxor until the the very last time I was in Vegas like the last last month I was there uh, I did the whole strip walk with a girl that I was with came out there yeah so I got to see I didn't see any of the rooms i, I the rooms actually are kind of weird I heard they're, they're, they've got like slanted walls and stuff because <laughs> of the the structure Sure, is actually like a pyramid. So it'll be it'll be interesting, I bet. But I say that the um uh what was it? The, the stratosphere when I was there. And that's cool because there's so much shit there. That's on the upper side of the strip. That's like right when you turn in and there's the welcome to Las Vegas yeah. sign that everybody takes pictures of. And there's like walking walking distance stores and um casino right downstairs. They used one deck of cards, too, at the blackjack tables, which I thought was weird. Instead of a shoe, they'd use one deck of cards at a time. So I was like, well, I can count cards in my sleep if I watch this close enough. (laughs) (laughs) But I I never really lost at that table. I never was down money. I gambled like four or five times, and I never left that table down money. So that was cool. But yeah, you'll have fun out there. I think that uh, Box Fan Expo is going on, too. I don't know how long you're going to be there. But that's at the convention center, if you can get into that. I might even be able to get you in for free. Even though I haven't published any of their stories (laughs) this (laughs) year. They send me press releases for every single damn person who's going to show up. So I got got to the point where I was just like, I'm not publishing these anymore. (laughs) But that's going on out there. Also, um, on that front, there's going to be a documentary series LeBron James is involved in, uh, called, uh, I guess I don't know what it's called yet, but, uh, it's going to be about Canelo Alvarez and Daniel Jacobs fighting, and, uh, it's going to be co-promoted or co-produced with DAZN, and it's, um, LeBron James and his partner Maverick Carter, great name. Uh, first episode is going to debut April twenty third on uh, Un- Uninterrupted. I guess that's the that's uh, his channel. It's called Uninterrupted, uh, and on DAZN, and then on Univision, NBC Sports Network, and a couple of regional networks that includes MSG. So yeah, they've um, obviously made a big Deal um, with Alvarez, 365 million. So they want to obviously get this fight in particular, 360 degrees, all kinds of footage. You know, they 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 they're want to make every penny they can off this guy. <laughs> so uh, the Azn, have you gotten that one yet, Tony? I know you got the ESPN Plus. Uh, I
2: have not seen it yet. Um, you figure out to. Wait till- like
1: one of the fights can you know, go on sale and um, that way up, I'm not for when there's nothing on right Jerome Miller in the news um, got, a, got a bad <laughs> opening test screwed up a big opportunity for himself uh, Anthony Joshua fight pretty much off his license uh, Miller's license has not been approved for the fight uh, so yeah New York State Athletic mission, denied it, and uh, I don't think it's happening. Uh, Miller's Camp did request a B sample, as they always always do. Um, If that sample somehow comes back negative, that's the only way the fight will be back on. Um, ESPN has reported that he tested positive for the banned substance GW1516, which boosts endurance and helps athletes burn fat. I never heard of this. Where do I get some? No, <laughs> But uh, yeah. the co-promoter, Dimitri Salida, said the 30 year old boxer will, will still train uh, while the team seeks more information. So we'll see. Um, and in February, ironically enough, it was Miller who was accusing Joshua of using uh, therapeutic use exemptions to take testosterone to help him build muscle. And, and a charge, that's a charge that Joshua's camp is denied. <laughs> Pretty good stuff there. I don't know if you heard of a guy named Burt Watson, Tony. Heard of that guy? I don't think so. No. He managed a guy that you like a lot. Boxer. First name Joe. Down goes... <laughs> Joe Frazier. Nice. Bert Watson. Uh, he is manager of Joe Frazier and he is the site coordinator for some of the biggest boxing and mixed martial arts events in history. Um, and he was once described by UFC commentator Joe Rogan as the babysitter to the stars. Now he's <laughs> uh, starting to own promotion. It's called We Rollin' MMA. He says he wants to give fans a world-class product, and uh, preparing each fighter for the bright lights to the next level is what I do. A combination of competitive fights and great fan support is the only way to get that done, and I'm excited to start this new chapter. And it's going to have its first event Saturday, June 15th at Hard Rock Event Center and Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood. It's gonna be Bert Watson Promotions. It's gonna be the promoter, and it's gonna be called We Rollin MMA, and not even close to pronounced like you think it is, or spelled, <laughs> I should say. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, obviously, this guy's got some experience working with fighters, so he should have their best interest in mind too. And it's interesting to see some of these little promotions pop up that uh, they aren't uh, on by the UFC. So, oh, w-
0: was was he the guy that would walk alongside the UFC fighters back in the dressing room as they're going toward the cage and yell that we
1: rollin'? That guy. He must be. I mean, if that's his catchphrase for the promotion. Damn.
2: Yeah.
1: So he's a retired uh, member of the United States Marine Corps, and his love affair with combat sports began when he became the longtime manager of his friend, boxing hall of famer Joe Frazier. And has uh, worked behind the scenes with icons of boxing and mixed martial arts. He's respected throughout the industry for his knowledge and attention to detail. So maybe he was uh, Joe Frazier's manager after his boxing career. That's why you don't recognize the name, Tony. But you might have met him when you met Joe. Or you might have seen him. I a dedication
2: a couple of years
1: ago. Yeah, so you probably saw him. Uh, also, I haven't got a chance to read it, but um, Tom, you probably be interested in this. I got an MMA alert in my Google Google alerts, and there's an article on Forbes.com called "Expenses: The Expenses of Being a Professional Cage Fighter," and uh, just published yesterday. So I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's gonna open some eyes for some people. And we had uh, we had the guy from boxing. Uh, Adrian, I forget his last name, but I remember it was Adrian. His first name, Adrian Clark. He he was talking about uh, uh, the the expenses of being a professional boxer and all the all the stuff that comes out. Everybody thinks, oh yeah, you are a million dollar paydays, but hey, this comes out, this comes out, that comes out, taxes, promoters, <laughs> licensing fees, travel, all that stuff comes out. So, uh, I'm sure it's gonna open some people's eyes to the idea of maybe we should get rid of this independent contractor thing and have some of these organizations start putting some of these bills for these guys. <laughs> but, yeah. Bert Watson. And we had some pretty good fights last week. Uh, I didn't get to see, uh, the boxing. But I understand that, uh, uh, pretty much went as we predicted, as far as the big fights. Clarissa yeah. Shields um, dominated, um, obviously Lomachenko. Um, Friday night, which was Lomachenko. Yeah. And, did
2: what he had to do, I think, was, what, was Randall? And they were, uh, talking about stopping it in, the, in um, the third. I mean, he was really taking it to Anthony Krola. And then he had him on the ropes, um. Basically standing the because
1: the ropes are keeping it goal up. And then he, and, well, look, i being much of one-punch knockout guy. Blasted him with the right hook, you know and I mean? put him down and out. One you might not have heard uh, of last week, too, is I just want to mention real quick. I've you know, got it in front of me. Sam Solomon. Uh Old guy. Old dude. 45 14 and 1 was his record going in. So he gets this 46 win over again. guy named Mark Lucas who was 9 and 1. And he got a title the WBF World Middleweight title. Old Boxing Foundation. So just thought I'd mention that while it's in front of me. but Go ahead. You were going to say something else, Tony? No. Well, I was
2: going to say, um, you, you had the Clara Field fight, um, which also went pretty much, I mean, as expected from what we predicted.
1: Right. And I really haven't seen much of her fight, so, I mean, I didn't know which way to go, but, obviously, she has shown that she can dominate, and that's that's a lot of belts she had on her in a post-fight picture, I'll tell you that. A lot of belts. We also had uh, Tommy Carpensi losing to Gilberto Ramirez on that uh, Lomachenko card, and he improves to 40-0 and as a light heavyweight, so probably going to see some big fights coming his way.
2: Yeah, but, 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 you know, he held not for the first round, but, um, you know, you could see Bond trying to hurt him, and, um, uh, well, it was, it was like three four rounds, so he retired on the stool without
1: throwing the And we had, uh, Arnold Barboza Jr. And improving to 21-0 over Mike Alvarado, so it was, uh... Mike came in with a 40-and-4 record. A
2: lot of people like the online and Facebook saying that uh, Alvarado is as good as the as he was. uh, As exciting as the fighter he was. He needs to retire um, because of, you know, just the, um, uh, the terrible beatings he's taken, you
1: know. Right. Well, age and experience is isn't always good, (laughs) if you have too much of it, either one. (laughs) (laughs) So, you got to kind of have a happy medium.
2: Yeah, true.
1: (laughs) Oh, look at this guy's record. Uh, This is Saturday's fight coming up. We've got, uh, this guy's just first fight on the list, but... I don't know where the heck he got this record. Heavyweight Gonzalo Omar Basile. He is 73 and 12. Fighting for the vacant South American heavyweight title. This is in Argentina. He's fighting Julio Enrique Queller Cabrera, who is 13 and 6. Talk about experience. <laughs> 73 and 12. And he had lo- he had won every one of his last six fights until the last one. Lost the last one. I got I got to click on his writer now. I'm too curious. Gonzalo, that's a great name. I'm sure his nickname is Gonzo. <laughs> his Nickname's probably Gonzo. Mm-hmm. Alright, I know we got some big fights this week. Uh, pretty sure Amir Khan is fighting Terence Crawford this week. Um,
2: well, talk about the Amir Khan-Terence Crawford fight. Uh, um, one of the best and most candid fight analysis breakdowns that I had a chance to read was our good friend uh, Iceman John Scully. And, and Iceman... Um I said a little bit ago. He's a guy who could literally just sit there and just the box and, you know, he's been a world title challenger. he's trained world champions. Um, you know, but he's a guy like he breaks down a s he's funny, um, uh, but he's very involved. and his take on this fight he goes Khan has the athletic ability and the speed to make it interesting for a few rounds. And I agree with that. Uh, but he said, also, Terrence Crawford is a guy that, as he picks up momentum, he gets more dangerous when fight goes on. I also agree with that. you go back, uh, one of the um, most prevalent examples of that was his fight to Gambo when he really exploded on the team. Um, Gambo was really giving him trouble early, and then Crawford switched to hall so I'm um, wearing them down, wearing them down, and then I'm not going to like six times. When he fought my friend Hank Lundy, Lundy won the first round. Um, and then Crawford sort of build the, momentum, build the momentum, build the momentum, build the momentum, and he knocked Lundy out in the pit. Uh, Iceman says he can go one or two ways here, uh, both ways he predicts as um, Terrence Crawford winning the flight. One would be, um, you know, Khan very competitive early, giving a few rough moments moments, um, but his propensity to get drawn into firefights while he has a shaky defense and weak chin would be his, his downfall, um, and that would lead to a mid-round stoppage. Mm-hmm. His other analysis, once again, has con uh, very competitive early, given a few scary moments, and then Crawford taking over but we're in the middle rounds, um, and um, winning uh, a decision down the road—a very clear decision, uh, comfortable decision. Um, you know, where he dominates the second half. <coughs> Towards his first analysis of a um, middle round stop is maybe around six, seven, eight rounds.
1: Hmm. Well, I was wrong about Gonzalo. Sorry. You guys gotta see this guy. I'm gonna send you his picture of his box track profile. Wow. Crazy looking dude. You think Mike Tyson has some face tattoos? <laughs> 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 uh, his last loss wasn't to anybody that uh, is a cheap date, as Tom would say. Robert Hellenius. His last loss. Um, and he's been mauling people ever since. Uh, it was a TKO. Robert Hayes was coming in uh, at 23 and one back in 2016, and he had three losses in a row uh, back in 2014. That was a bad year for him. <laughs> <laughs> Started out well, a couple wins, but it was bad year. Crazy record. Also, I want to mention this guy because he's coming up on a milestone. It's not really the mismatch of the week, but this guy is the opponent of the week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> From the UK, this card. Let me find Alright, here he is. Yes. He, he is fighting a guy named Nathan Halton, super middleweight. In the middle of the card. Nathan is 2 3 and 1. But Lewis Van Poach, P O E T S C H, Poach. He is coming in at a whopping eight wins to go with 99 losses and one draw. So He's going for a big number hundo.
2: Ah, one draw.
1: And Nathan will go to five hundo, five hundred three and three. If he gets the win, and Lewis will get his 100th loss. <laughs> are we rooting?
0: Are yeah.
1: Are, okay. we, are we rooting for him to get it, or upset a ninth win? We'll see. <laughs> well, what, what are
0: the odds? What does Las Vegas say? I don't, Wait, know. Do I don't even
1: know if they have odds on that. Well, what does London say? So that's
0: where they have their <laughs> odds makers. What are the odds, or do we have
1: odds? I don't know. I'm sure that uh, the website that has everything at Paddy Power probably has something. Anyway, the bigger fight uh, than the uh, Amir Khan fight this weekend is uh, going to be on free TV, Fox Sports 1, already. Wow, right free-free, but, um, Danny Garcia versus Adrian Granados, big welterweight match up there, uh, Danny comes in at 34-2, and two. Granados, 20 wins, 6 losses, and 2 draws, and, and this one's for the WBC Silver welterweight title, which is Bacon, that's so up for grabs there, and then the co-main event, Ricardo Espinoso, Franco, Espinoza, Franco. Coming in at twenty-three and two fighting John Riel Casimiro, who are twenty-six and four. And then Super Banamates. Oh, that one's for the interim WBO World Banamite title, by the way. And we got uh, Brandon Figueroa coming in at eighteen and 0 fighting Jan Fres Parejo, who is twenty two three and one for the interim World Boxing Association World Super Banamate title. And if that ain't enough, we got a couple, couple more big ones. Three more we'll me mention. Uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. at heavyweight, 31-1, his record, fighting Alexander DeTrinco, 41-4. That should be a good one. And we got uh, middleweight, Jorge Cota. Yeah. Jorge Cota coming in at 28 and two. Jason Rosario is his opponent, 18 one and one. Great matchup there. And then we've got Alfredo Angulo, 24 and seven, fighting Evert Bravo, who's 24 nine and one. And now let's go back down to that card. Oh. Also, uh, down in Fort Washington, Maryland, I thought I'd mention this one. Middleweight, uh, Dusty Hernandez Harrison leading the bill here. He's 31 0 1, putting Fred Jenkins Jr., who's just a lowly 10 5. If he didn't have a winning record, that would be our mismatch of the week. <laughs> our mismatch of the week is probably on this card, though, and it's got some good names. So we'll go with it. Uh, Roger Belch is the favorite, <laughs> coming in at 12-1 and one at lightweight. He's fighting Darrell Harris, who comes in at 111 11 and one So, ones are wild for him. Nutty. <coughs> so, anyway, I don't know what channel uh, Crawford vs. Khan is going to be on, but uh, apparently, BoxRec is saying it's only Panama Telemetro Channel 13. Uh for pay per view. Pay per view, okay. So I'll,
2: I'll stick to the Danny
1: Garcia <laughs> So it's uh Terrence Crawford coming in at thirty-four and O, and Amir Khan looking for number thirty four in wins, but he also has four losses to go with his thirty three wins, and it's for the WBO World Right title. And we have Teofimo Lopez coming in at lightweight, uh undefeated twelve and oh. Finding Edith Tatley, who is 31 and 2. Yeah, I don't really... I think I've seen Tiafimo Lopez, but I don't I don't think I've seen this Tatley guy. Hey, I've Lopez um, actually has um got his name
2: out there who had a couple of impressive knockouts back-to-back, um, back, right? He mm-hmm. went for he hit the guy, and he basically... The guy was
1: There, Mm-mm. we also have Shakur Stevenson. at by the way coming in ten and zero, fighting Christopher Diaz, who's twenty four and one. And then lightweight's Felix Verdejo, twenty four and one, fighting Brian Vasquez, who's thirty seven and three. Two out of those, two of those three in his last six fights. And um, this isn't even worth mentioning for a fight, but this guy's got a great name. Um Dennis Knife Chief. Twelve nine and one. He's fighting for a title too. Vacant American Boxing Federation. USA welterweight title. And he's fighting in a guy who's undefeated. Richard Hicks. Eleven O and one. It's Hicks versus Knife. <laughs> the knife chief. Knife Chief, huh? It must be Indian. Native American, sorry. <laughs> from Texas. Dennis, knife chief. So you've heard of bringing a knife to a gunfight. Now he's going to bring a knife to a bucking <laughs> ranch. <laughs> All right. So, oh. I saw this guy's name uh Hector Hector Coronado, I thought it was Hector Camacho. Okay. Yeah. I, no. <laughs> I saw uh, this. I I'll see. You. Actually, I was just uh, searching through my um, email the other day, and uh, or not my email, but um, googling stuff, and came across our, our interview from um, uh, right after Hector Senior died. Got shot in a cocaine deal gone yeah, bad or something. something
2: like I remember we gave our to, uh,
1: yeah, and that was our most listened to interview on. Um, blog talk radio because it just went wild. There was like one article about it, and it was like 22,000 listens. I was like, whoa! That that was in like the first week. Probably way more now. I haven't gone back to look at them. But we got a couple candidates for Jesus Fight of the Week before we go on to uh, MMA. we got uh, Jesus Angulo fighting uh, Hector. Hector Coronado, who is 1-0. And, uh, Jesus, uh, is going to need a miracle, as always. the okay. record is not as good.
2: Uh, well, it's he's, he's do it, I guess.
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> and, where's the other one? Jesus Angulo. Yeah, he is four and twelve. Jesus Angulo. Oh, there's another Jesus. I just saw him. Where'd he go? We lost Jesus. Alright. Well, we we'll forget about that one. Then. The one Jesus fight is enough. So, we also have you UFC 236 to talk about, a crazy, crazy, crazy card, and main event there, we'll just start with that, um, unreal, we had Kelvin Gastelum coming in, and the kid does not have the physique that you would expect for a guy to be coming in in That confident, like he just looks like a run of the mill average type physique when you look at him. But my god, the confidence that kid had coming into the cage, he he looked pissed too. And uh, boy, he put quite the effort in, even though it was a losing effort. And uh, I really thought it should have stopped. Mark Goddard has another controversial fight, I guess, but I, I thought it should have been stopped at the end. Even though he was, you know, showing a lot of heart. That was he took a lot of unnecessary punishment in the last few seconds. Um, but what a war. I tell you. Those guys beat the crap out of each other. I'm sure you saw it, Tom, right? Yeah,
0: even going into the last round. Yeah. And
1: then um ran out of gas. Yeah, and he was really I mean, one of the only guys that I underestimated on that first uh, for the season of The Ultimate Fighter where he showed up and he, he just had like a 4-0 record or something like that at that point. And, and he turned out to be one of the most talented fighters the UFC has ever had. He just had kind of some weight issues here and there. Couldn't, couldn't make weight for the life of him a few times. And got on the bad side of Dana White. And... But all this, through all this time, he's still been a great fighter, and he's been thrown in against real wolves. But this time, it was uh, you know, this guy coming right off a win against Anderson Silva, and he really had a chip on his shoulder. I think coming in, he was really like, you know what? I'm going to show some people that this guy's not as good as they think he is, even if I lose. And I don't think he thought he was going to lose, but I mean, uh, that was, had to be his mindset at the end. You know, even if I'm gonna not get this on points, I'm gonna show this friggin' crowd that, that this guy has. <laughs> and it's such an unorthodox striker, too. I mean, I, it just goes against everything that they teach you in boxing how he throws punches, where he doesn't uh, doesn't plant his feet. He just leaps and bam. And, I mean, if he had some more legitimate power behind some of those, if he did. Didn't have the reach issues where he had to lurch in and leave himself open a lot to, to land punches. He definitely could knock out Adesanya out a few times, <clears throat> but um, you know once he hit him with everything but the kitchen sink and Adesanya was still there. It was <laughs> heart of the lion time, and that's where the conditioning really kicks in. The conditioning and that mentality of no quitting. But oh, the probably the best shot. That fight for me that spinning back elbow that he nailed him with. And I'll tell you, I was surprised that Gesslem didn't go down then. He took that like a champ. tell oh, yeah. Whew. Dynamic stuff there. All around. Right. And then we had Dustin Poirier going to war with uh, Max Holloway. <coughs> so we got a double bill of uh, war. At UFC 236. Uh, and the only thing I could uh, say before we move on from. Um, well, that was the main event. All for 48. I was talking about the cold main event. It was such a good fight, I thought it was the main event. <laughs> it was five rounds because uh, it was for the interim championship. And uh, actually, that makes two uh, champions now from Nigeria. Yeah, Israel is really from Nigeria, but the only thing I could say to Kelvin is, um, you know, to ch- check check back that aggression and fight smarter next time. Even though that's hard to do against a guy that's uh, you know, you really have to be aggressive to shake up early. You now, some some of that was just being sloppy. He took took a lot a lot of hits that he would have if he's fought a little bit smarter. He wouldn't have hit, wouldn't have had to take. I mean, you just you can't knock the okay, aggression.
0: But you wonder now, okay, but you wonder how he's going to adjust his game on this, because it's not like he's new.
1: Right. let
0: see. You know what I mean? It's, it's
1: been, uh, what was that, uh, what season was it? it been 10 years almost since he was on, on the show. Yeah. So he's going to have an uphill battle. Yeah, maybe the other thing too we could have done, I hate to be the would have, could have, should have guy, but a lot more leg kicks from the outside would have, would have helped him out with the reach issues that he, I mean, that was really the most punishment that he was taking was because of his reach, and once Israel figured it out that, you know, he had to, he had to strike a certain way to reach it, to get inside on him, from the outside he just figured out different movements, different ways to time him, and, and that was the difference in the end, that final round, final couple rounds where he made the adjustments and, uh, Kelvin just kept fighting the same way. And that can be the difference sometimes, especially in these five-round fights, you know? and conditioning, obviously, was huge. Neither guy was a slouch, but Israel is pretty much skin and bones. Every friggin' inch of him is muscles. You know? So, and Gastelum didn't come in fat, but you know, he's not chiseled whatsoever. He's just basic tight body. Obviously, he fights at a high level, but it's Yeah, and he's kind of in a a, a
0: a weight. Yeah, he's in a weight no-man's land because 170 is too light for
1: him. 185 seems a little too heavy. Yeah. And as I mentioned, Dustin Poirier got a crazy, incredible win over Max Holloway, another one that might have been stopped a couple of times, but uh, man, these guys beat the everything crap out of each other and uh, ended up being uh, Poirier getting the win. And he really did beat the crap out of Hollywood. Like, he really roughed him up. And uh, as I've always said, your cockiness and hands down, you know, it's just not going to work. And Poirier, actually, you nailed it. Yeah,
0: you nailed that, Rich. You nailed that one in right on the money.
1: If he didn't keep his hands up, I said he was going to lose. And, you know, obviously he keeps his belt at the lower weight, but... But uh, he was trying to prove too much. And obviously. He's not going to change. He's, he's so cocky. And and you saw the friggin' gash he had. Ugh. The big old half moon gash. Right on the side of his friggin' um, eyebrow. And that's what happens. I mean. You get stitches. When you, you don't block your face. So yeah. It was a rough go. And I'll patch him back together and he'll be back out there, but I really, really hope he does something about that hole in his game. Because uh, you know, cockiness and and all that might win you the fight, but, you know, when it rearranges your nose and puts holes in your face and you really need to start thinking about not a new line, a new career, but a new method of operation. (laughs) Because obviously he's got talent, you know, but the other thing he doesn't have going for him is he doesn't have enough power. He just can't he, he doesn't have that knockout uh, punch. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's just succession of blows. Exactly, that and, and
0: I, that's what I said last week. I, I, I said, with one of these guys is more natural and comfortable at 155? Right. Because I figured Dustin would be. Max just, um, you know, he was working out hard to bulk up, but he, he's, he's another one that's kind of in no man's land. He's cleaned out the division at 145 so let's
1: stay back there for him, but maybe he's not, maybe he doesn't belong at 155. Alright. So then we had, uh, we had uh, Khalil Roundtree beating up on Eric Anders, and that was an example of good leg kicks working out for a guy. Um, and and uh, Joe Rogan pretty much said, geez, you know, your, your game plan just completely changed for the better, right? Like, Night and day, and uh, I guess he had gone to Thailand, round country, to, to do uh, Muay Thai training in specifically for this fight. So it showed. I guess um, I didn't. I didn't really. I wasn't really glued to this fight. It's kind of boring at times, but uh, I did. watch a good bit of it. And then we had Dwight Grant beating Alan Jubon by split decision. I didn't see any of these. These fights uh Nikita Krylov beating OSP over in St. Pru by Rear Naked Choke. Second round. Matt Frevla beating Jalen Turner by unanimous decision. Alexander Pantoha beating Wilson Reese by TKO. Two minutes and fifty-eight seconds into the first. Max Griffin beat uh, Zalem Ahmadiyav by majority decision. Khalid Taha beat Boston Salmon. And guess what? Boston Salmon did. Uh, Flopped around like a fish 25 seconds into the uh, fight.
0: What, what a cool name.
1: <laughs> he lived up to it, too. Oh, it wasn't in Boston, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was his UFC date.
0: Yes, it day was. Too. What a yeah. way to get started, huh?
1: Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to get a sure dog picture after that one. <laughs> Uh, fourth fight of the night, Bilal Mohammed beat uh, Curtis Milliner by unanimous decision. Montel Jackson over Andre Sukumtov by also unanimous decision. Poliano Bortello beat uh, Lauren Mueller by unanimous decision. And then the first fight of the night, Brandon Davis beat Randy Costa by Rene choke Submission. Uh, we do have a, a fight coming up this weekend, UFC Fight Night one hundred forty nine, I want to say. I'll figure it out in a second here. <coughs> one hundred forty nine. Uh, Alistair Overeem versus Alexei Olek. Hey. Yeah, this from Russia. How about that? Yeah.
0: That's starts uh, at ten o'clock
1: Saturday morning. Yep. Wow. Stoner's gonna get up early. It's four twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Over in Russia, uh, and it's surprising surprising to me that they didn't uh, they didn't have Khabib fighting on this card, even if it was just a pushover fight. You know? uh, I should have been able to arrange that. Maybe you don't like St. Petersburg, but there are a lot of Russians on this card. Go figure. Uh, Alistair, obviously not Russian, but he's uh, he's from from the region, from the Netherlands, pretty close by. 44, 44 wins, 17 losses, going in against Alexei Olenek, who has 57 wins and 11 losses, and one drop. Now, is this the guy with that choke move, that special choke move he does? Is yeah. One? Okay. Yeah, yeah so he's, if he gets a hold of Alistair, it's pretty much done. <laughs> he's so good at this one choke. Uh, we'll see. But Alistair obviously needs to do what he does best, which is striking and kickboxing, and staying off his back. <laughs> anyway, uh in an Islam Makachev, who is 16 and one, fighting Arman Sarukin, who is 13 and one. And uh, I should have a disclaimer here because I'm going to butcher almost every name on this. Guy. The ninth fight of the ninth. Ivan Shcherkov, who is 15 0 and one, fighting Devin Clark, who's nine and three. That one's easy. Uh the Happy Warrior is also on this card. Roxanne Motiferi. She is twenty two and fifteen fighting Antonino Antonina Shevchenko, who is is Uh the other Shevchenko in the O C is her sister, I believe fighting sisters. Uh, Christoph Drakko, 19-4, and four, fighting Alan Amadovsky, who is 8-0. No. Movzar Evloev, who is 10-0, no, fighting Sungwoo Choi, who is 7-1. And, and we got another guy with a lot of experience. Kita Nakamura, who is 34-9-2, fighting Sultan Aliyev, who is 14-3. Alexander Yakovlev, 23-8, and eight, with one draw, fighting Alex Da Silva, who was is twenty and one, and we have Marcin Tybura, seventeen and four, fighting Shamil Abdurakhimov, who is nineteen and four. Now this guy, this guy's got these two both some names. Uh, I'm gonna have to go slow. We got Gadzhim Yureid Antigulov, <laughs> he is twenty and five fighting. Michael Olexi Lexi Sukh, I don't know. He is uh, thirteen and two. And that is that is a handful for a name. Uh, and then final one. Well, first fight of the night. Uh, Magomed mustafaev who is thirteen and two, fighting Raphael Fiziev, who is six and zero. <coughs> Man, Russian, not easy. Uh, we had another couple stories that I wanted to mention that happened uh, earlier in the week. One uh, was about uh, a fighter, mixed martial arts fighter who had a heart attack and died after a fight. So, I don't know what we're at now for sanctioned fight deaths. but uh, Believe it or not, the last one before this guy was in Massachusetts. Rondell Clark or something like that, Uh, but it was a combination of dehydration and muscle spasms or something that that caused his death, and this one was a heart attack, and uh, he also, I guess, I think there was uh, a positive test, too, for some kind of uh, stimulant, and it wasn't wasn't in the United States, but it was a pretty big fight, if I can find it here. MMA fighter, Mateus Fernandez, there it is, dies after suffering possible heart attack in the cage. And there's another story, uh, I, I hope that everything's changed, I haven't tried to look for um, an update, but I did also hear on uh, another front, uh, uh, Angela Magana had some surgery for some kind of neurotic condition that started with uh, back pain disk and it went somehow went to her brain and it's like a rare rare thing that happens but she had some anesthesia for the surgery and then when they tried to bring her out of it she's in a coma so it was just the other night I read about this I don't know if it's still going on for her but yeah they're pretty much praying for her to come out of this coma down there in uh, Puerto Rico uh so yeah Tough, tough day for her, obviously. You know, she was actually supposed to fight on a card. And then uh situation came up with training. And she had to pull out and then have the surgery. And the craziest thing of that story is that her aunt died from anesthesia. And it's so rare that you even have issues with anesthesia. It's like one of the simplest things in medicine that you can do. It's, it's very few fatalities from bad reactions, they have it down to such a science now, so, pretty fluke thing for, the, for that to happen to her, so, thoughts and prayers for everybody in, uh, Cyberland out there listening to us, send them out to her, uh, Mateus Fernandez was just 22, and, uh, it wasn't just one heart attack, it was four heart attacks, March 30th, uh, he was fighting uh, in Brazil, uh, Remulus fight night promotion in Manaus, Brazil. Fighting Obed Pereira looked to have won the first two rounds at about before being knocked down by punches in the third round. And uh, footage showed that Pereira landed one more strike at Fernandez's head before the referee was able to step in and call off the fight. And uh, as the referee was attending to Fernandez, the fighter collapsed over onto his left side and he suffered a seizure and was fighting for his life. His body stiffened, underwent spasms, and uh, then he was rushed into the hospital. Uh, he was alive when he reached the hospital, but he was pronounced dead at eleven forty five PM local time, just twenty two years old. Um, but you know, he had he also had a drug addicted past too. Uh, he actually trained with a company called Cormando Campios, it's a social project that allowed individuals who had suffered from drug addiction to pursue mixed martial arts. Um, so there you have it, you know. Some things, I guess, don't mix. <laughs> Fighting and drugs. Uh, now, uh, they claimed the coordinator, uh, project coordinator, Vanderloos Cantuarias, told MMA Fighting that a coroner's report showed that Fernandez died of an alleged drug overdose, and not by by injuries sustained during his fight. So, yeah, you take a drug-addicted guy and throw him into the cage, you know, what's he gonna do? he like overdose. <laughs> Jesus. He passed the drug test the day before the fight, but then uh, ex-students later told uh, the director there that Fernandez used drugs after the test was conducted. Uh, unfortunately. He was considered a rising star and then everybody at the, uh, group was in a state of shock. Uh, his, and uh, people said his fights were the best, he had a promising future, such a terrible loss. And uh, Rondell Arc was the last guy to die uh, after an amateur match at Cage Titans 35 in Plymouth, Massachusetts on August twelfth, two 2017. So I believe this is this has to be the first time uh, we have a documented death that was, I don't know if it was what type of drug it was, though. It sounds like it was a street drug. <coughs> uh, but uh, what happened with Rondell Clark, uh, as I mentioned, he, he died three days later after the fight's cause of death it was determined to be a rapid breakdown of muscle tissue caused by physical overexertion and dehydration. But yeah, this one was, this has got to be the first time the drugs that he is obviously using as an enhancement, I would think, if he did it the day of the fight, killed them. You know, we've heard of the drug enhancement not working and then losing the fight, but I don't think we've ever heard of it killing anybody. That's crazy. So, I don't know. That's pretty much all we've got, I guess. Unless you guys got anything to add.
2: I do Nothing, else it's worth kind of shattering, I guess. So just get to some fights this weekend,
0: chill out, relax, and 15
1: days home in Vegas. Awesome.
0: Uh, to- uh, uh Tony, what scenario can Danny Garcia lose this fight?
2: Can you see oh, it? Tell- yeah, I mean, Danny, um, it would have to be something along the lines of um, Danny. And that's my game plan. Um, if you go back and look at play, was it Mauricio Herrera in uh, Puerto Rico a couple years ago when he really lost that fight, um, he, he just steps behind, you know, just you was know, putting his punches together. Um, Dainey sometimes will allow himself to get out punch. And even look at a few of the fights that he won. Look at the Amir Khan fight. I mean the first three rounds he was getting out-punched. And then Khan stood still, tried to train hooks for the hooker and and then the, yeah, knocked out. Um you know the fight against Charles Hurt, he let himself get out working there. Same thing with Thurman, he let himself get out work. These are fights that you know you know, he lost for those reasons or the fight against Ray. He should have lost. Um go back to um even when he fought up, um, You know, he was like the last few rounds, you know, he getting him with some shot. Um so if he allows him to be flat footed, um um Granado's, you know, throw punches, um, let Granado's crowd him or um just outwork him. You know, that is a scenario where Danny Garcia couldn't conceivably lose the fight. Mm. Yeah, I would agree.
0: That's it. He's just got to stay in Garcia's grill. Just pressure, pressure,
2: pressure.
1: Just make him work. Yeah. Well, um, CM Punk back in the news. He might be still in the mix for an MMA fight. He, he's testing the BJJ competition waters. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, that's in the news. Let's see what else we got. CM Punk, um, and, and I don't know if you got a chance to watch that video, Tony, of um, John Oliver ripping into the WWE, but, but uh, CM, Punk, CM Punk shitting his pants on live TV was, uh, was a big chunk of that argument. And it was, I, had a, I didn't realize that had so much to do with the doctor, the, the situation with the doctor, that basically was like, you know, are you going to be going to Japan or not? Like, are you, are you going to be coming with us? Like, he kept pressuring him, and he had had some injuries that he was dealing with, and he was on the drugs that make you shit your pants. So, I thought it was just a fluke thing that happened, but no, it actually had something to do with medication. Uh, I don't even know if that whole story ever came out. (laughs) Except for court, Because he did sue, or the doctor sued him for defamation or something. And and they won. It was him and somebody else, they won. Anyway. Talked about LeBron James. Uh, Oh, there's an interesting one. I haven't got a chance to read the whole thing yet, but I did read the headline earlier. Uh, There was... Iranian female boxer who fought in France and now she has to stay in France. Kind of reminds me of when I went out to fight the Fertitas in Vegas and the judge said, Well, now you have to go to every hearing out here. I thought it was going to be the last one. I ended up having to stay there for two years. But uh, yeah, um, this woman, bring it up here. Iranian female. She fought over in France, and then there was an arrest warrant issued for her in Iran. I guess she because she fought without a head head thing or something. Um, Came the country's first female boxer to win an international fight. Let me find out what the arrest warrant is for. So, um, she was uh, supposed to return to Tehran where she works as a fitness trainer following her victory Saturday over 25 year old Anne Chauvin of France. Um, let's see. Gotta go past the advertising here. Find out what happened next. What's this crazy country doing now? Uh, she was actually warned of the text of the um, warrant a text message (laughs) Uh, here it is yeah go figure in the bout Kadim was bareheaded and wearing shorts defying rules in Iran that female athletes should be covered in line with Islamic laws governing women's dress so she's supposed to wear a headdress in the boxing ring I don't think so Uh, Kadim is accused of violating Iranian dress rules for women while her trainer is suspected of complicity. Uh, So they issued a freaking arrest warrant. Uh, In a statement issued by the Ministry of Sports and Youth of Iran, they said she was not a registered boxer in Iran, and in the view of the Federation, all of her activities are a private act. The Federation said it strongly denied she was blocked from returning to from France so that she would be punished if she re entered Iran. Okay, so who's 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 telling the truth? But anyway, she's taking a stand, she says, I want to improve as much as possible, go as far as possible, and show other Iranian women that they can taste the sport. There you go. This is a problem for more than just Iran. It's 57 Islamic countries have women who want to fight. Um, and Iran doesn't even have a women's boxing federation, partly because the AIBA, which is the governing body for the uh, amateurs, I believe, and the semi professionals, amateurs, um, has not cooperated at all in allowing appropriate Islamic sportswear for women. Maybe you need to change what's appropriate. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Anyway. See what else we got going on. That's it. So, till next week, I guess we're going to sign off and uh, tell everybody to go watch Creed 2. Yes. Yeah, you're you might see the best that's supporting right. extra. All right,
2: the best yeah, supporting <laughs> extra. All right, gentlemen, I'll tell you a bit, um, And talk
1: soon. Yes, sir. Thanks nice for stopping by.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh,
0: a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah.